If you are saved, if you're clinging on to that hope of salvation, if you're putting faith in that, if you're holding on to the promises that Jesus has given to us through Scripture, He is very interested in your life. He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Let's submit to what the Lord has called us to do. And let the Lord be the guide of our lives so we personally don't have to fear the fall of our pride. We are in our final week uh, of the rescue series, uh, and we're going to be talking about salvation tonight. And so just as a reminder, we've been for the last four weeks going through this rescue series, talking about the severity of sin, why we need a Savior. Quincy did a great job last week talking about being adopted into Christ's family. And today we're going to be talking about what salvation is. And before uh, we go into it, I came across an article called A Thief Disguised as a Doctor, and it goes as followed. When an English robber called Captain Thunderbolt, could you imagine a name like that? Captain Thunderbolt. Hey, listen, Jesus Jesus called one of, one of the disciples uh, Sons of Thunder, so I mean, um, all right. So when an English robber called Captain Thunderbolt escaped the law and moved to the eastern U.S. in 1818, he began practicing medicine. He took on the name Dr. John Wilson. So his name was Captain Thunderbolt, and he took on the name Dr. John Wilson. Often he wore three suits of clothes to escape recognition by making himself look larger and covering up a deformed leg. Just before the man died, he asked his friends to bury him without removing his clothes. But to prepare his body for proper burial, that request could not be honored. The mortician was surprised to find scars from wounds and a withered leg. A search of Dr. Wilson's house revealed a stash of watches, jewelry, and diamonds. This guy for years got away with stealing watches, jewelries, and diamonds, and they didn't know about it till here at the end. The sheriff learned that the doctor was in fact Doctor or Captain Thunderbolt, and that he was indeed a thief in disguise. I start off with that story tonight because Jesus warns us about thieves in disguise that are trying to rob something that is more precious than watches something that's more precious than jewelry, and something that's more precious than than diamonds, these thieves and robbers are trying to steal the souls of man. As we conclude our rescue series, we are going to see Jesus proclaim that He is the one who came to save us from these thieves and robbers. And if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to John chapter 10 as we hear God's Word and answer the following questions. We're in John chapter 10, so New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 10. And we're going to answer three questions. Well, four, since Quincy just walked in. Uh, is this movie night here or at Quakertown? Quakertown! Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Back to John chapter 10. So three questions we're going to answer. 
Who are the thieves and robbers? How do they try to steal the souls of man? And how does Jesus protect us from them? Yes, kid. Huh? Now, we're, we're going to answer these. These are just questions for you guys to think down and write down. So, who are the thieves and robbers? How do they try to steal the souls of man? And how does Jesus protect us from them? And so in John chapter 10, we're going to read John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 1. Here we go. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pastures. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. If you guys would join me in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. God, we thank you that by your grace we have the freedom to gather here this evening, Lord, to to worship your holy name through song and praise and to worship your holy name through your word here tonight, Lord. Father, as we dive into this last study here on uh, in the rescue series and talking about salvation, Lord, I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you use me as a vessel, Lord, that they do not hear my words, but they hear you, Jesus. Hear your truth, Lord God. And knowing that there is an enemy that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy the souls of man, but Jesus, you are the only one. You are the great shepherd that protects us and guides us every step of the way. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all glory and honor. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so, I guess if you're, if you're taking notes, you can title this first part of the message called Being on Guard. Being on Guard. And, and we see that Jesus opens up this scripture to make clear that there are thieves and robbers of this world. Now, at first, and maybe you're like me, when at first when I heard thieves and robbers, I'm like, well aren't they the same thing? To a point, yes. But there's a slight difference between thieves and robbers. Does anyone maybe have a guess? Dante. A robber will come into your house to steal your possessions. A robber, a thief, <coughs> might steal some, might melt something off of your person while you're walking down the street or find it $10 on the ground and doesn't ask around to fix it up. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. Right here. Yeah. 
you like read my sermon or something? No, I'm just kidding. That's it. No, that's exactly on point. A thief is someone who steals with with secret and without open force, um, and a robber takes something from someone by unlawful force or threat or violence. So, uh, I'll give you an example about each. A thief. I'll be I'll be honest here with you here tonight. I once in in long time ago I was a thief. <sighs> This may be dating me, but does anyone know what Furbies are? (laughs) Alright, alright. So, alright, let me ask another question. Does anyone know what a Kmart is? Okay, okay. Kmart, like a Kmart. It competed with Walmart. They're at, they're pretty much, go look them up. They're pretty much out of business right now. But, So I was in Kmart one time with my parents, and now granted, I didn't have the big Furby that you can press the button and it moves and all this other stuff, but I was in Kmart one time, and I was walking down the aisle, and I said, well, I can't steal that, but there is a Furby keychain that I can steal. And so what I did at the age of 10 is I secretly took that keychain ripped the tag off, slid it in my winter coat, and walked out of Kmart with a nice Furby keychain. Until, no, it wasn't worth it, because literally a week later, my mom went through my um, pockets and said, where did you get this? As I had one of two choices. I could lie in that moment. Or I could tell her the truth. And I unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, I did tell her the truth. <laughs> but I'll be honest. I probably, unfortunately, I did lie the first time. And then she, she, she pulled that mom card, maybe that most of you guys have heard. Don't lie to me. I know you're lying to me. She got me. So I, uh, I told her that I, um, stole it from Kmart and, um, I don't remember, honestly. I was probably so traumatized with the fact that I got grounded for so many weeks um, that I don't remember what I did. But anyways, that's what stealing it, like being a thief is. You secretly do you do that, right? Um, a robber taking by force. Maybe, unfortunately, some of you guys have experienced this or you've seen this before and you've had to step in. Um, let's hypothetically say there's a, a guy or gal at school who beat someone up for their lunch money so they can go buy extra snacks or something in the cafeteria at school. That's that's a robber using some force and frustration and anger and violence um, to, to steal. And so I, I bring this up because we are called to be on guard by the biggest thief and robber, Satan, and his dominions, who are trying to destroy the church, whether through what the world is being, uh, what people are being sold by the world, or even by sending in false teachers into the church. In Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus says this, Be on your your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. And in Colossians 2, 8, it says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. And so what, what's, what's being said here is they, they say, hey, there are people within the church, unfortunately, 
that are being used by Satan to destroy the church, and, and if they, they'll use scripture to twist their own agenda, or they'll come up with different philosophies to, to mix it in and claim that it's Christianity when it really isn't. And, and you may be asking, well, how do I know the difference between the truth and, and, and what isn't true? How, how do I know what's going on here? And, and you know what is false by studying the truth. You know what is false by studying the truth. Uh, let me ask, does anyone in here have parents that work in a bank? No? No no one who works in a bank? Okay, let me, let me ask you this. Do you know, What was that? Okay, awesome, awesome. So your grandma worked in the bank, right? Did she ever talk about her experience working in the bank or anything like that? Did she ever talk about how she could tell the difference between a counterfeit and a real dollar bill? Alright, there's a bunch of hands going up. Alright. Who's the first one? Then be honest. Alright, Kayla. Yeah, probably in a very complicated way. But what's the simplest way? I think Vincent was the next one. Okay, we're on the right track here. I think Annabelle was... Okay, alright. I think Parker was next on the... Go ahead. What's that? Okay, yeah. So, okay, you guys are getting on the right track. Destiny. Okay, yeah. We're we're getting there, Taylor. Huh? Your 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 guys are getting there. Uh, Gavin. Alright, alright, let me, let me, let me rephrase the question. How do they know that it is false? Um, Tori. Okay. Yes, all these, let me, let me rephrase. This is all correct, but there's something a little bit deeper that you guys are missing. You're, you're getting there, you're getting there. How, how? But check, okay, I'm gonna answer this question for you. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll read a quote here from an article that, that taught me on how bankers are trained. <clears throat> Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look, uh, until they master the look of the real thing. Then when they see the bogus money, they recognize it. So my point being is, is that they study what real money looks like. What do you mean? They, they study, listen, listen, bring it back here for a sec. They study real money, every nook and cranny of a dollar bill, a hundred bill, whatever bill it is, until they master, as this article says, and knows the truth of what a real dollar bill or any type of bill looks like. So when they see a counterfeit, when they feel a counterfeit, because they know what the truth is, they automatically, their senses send a red flag like, this is false. 
Now, yes, do they use all the things that you said? They hold it up to a light, use a marker, use a machine that I think Tori talked about and many of other you guys talked about. Yes, they do all those things. But before they do that, they have to study what the actual bill looks like and master that. And, and the reason I bring this up is for us to know what is false and what is truth. This is our dollar bill. The Bible. In your hands. If you want to know what someone is really speaking truth of, if it's really from God's Word... You've got to know the truth. You've got to read God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to to empower you so when you hear someone or, or hear something or read something that they claim is Christianity, it isn't, you can go back to God's Word and say, no, 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 that doesn't line up because you've mastered. And now listen, when I say mastered, some of you are like, oh my goodness, how am I going to master reading the Bible? Destiny. Don't let that word scare you. Because we're all becoming masters in reading the Bible. I'm not a master in reading the Bible. Uh, there are things that I still have to learn and grow. I know, some of you are like, you're a pastor. How do you not know the Bible inside? I'm still learning and growing. All the leaders in here are still learning and growing. That's why we're constantly in His Word. So we can get to a point that anytime we hear something or read something, we can say, mm, red flag. Red flag, let's hold it up to a light, let's throw it in a machine, let's put a marker on it. Is this making sense so far? You guys got, are you with me? Okay. So we have to, we have to identify the thieves and the robbers. But what are the thieves and robbers after? Let's look at John 10.10 again. It says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In the beginning part. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So what is Satan and his dominions trying to steal from us? I said the souls of men keep people away from Christ, from knowing the truth of who Christ is. But on top of that, especially for those who uh, are believers, we all struggle in certain areas of things that the enemy is trying to steal from us. Uh, especially in your age group, here are some things that come about that pe- uh, that. Uh, teenagers tend to struggle with, and maybe you fall along in this category. Uh, the number one thing right now, it seems to be peace. Many teenagers seem to be dealing with a lack of peace, and, have, and because their peace has been stolen, they deal with a lot of anxiety. The second thing that is stolen is love. Many people are, 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 have lost love, and because their love is stolen, they become hateful and angry um, and, and rage in different ways. A third thing is joy. Joy is stolen, and when joy is stolen, many people become depressed. Identity. Who am I in Christ? Who did God create me to be? Am I a guy? Am I a girl? Why do I feel these different ways? When those are stolen, there becomes a lot of confusion. Another one is courage. Courage to to stand for what is right, to have character and do the right things. And when courage is stolen, we become very fearful. Security, when I say security, not security and, 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 uh, and 
things of this world, but security of like protective in a sense. When those things become stolen, we become broken. We become um, hopeless, I guess is another way that ties in with this next one is hope. That when hope is stolen, we become despair, we become hopeless, we look around and we think there's, there's no way. Like, why do I hope for a greater future or, or, or anything like that? And, and the last one is freedom. Freedom is stolen, and when that's stolen, many become imprisoned and imprisoned in their sins. There's an addiction, there, there's an activity, there's something that habitually holds them over and over and becomes prisoners of this, and they've lost their freedom to live life abundantly. And all these different things, and there's plenty, plenty more that go with it, but all these things are stolen because of the lies we have been sold by the enemy. I'll give you a personal example in my own personal life. The biggest one on there for me, while I've experienced all of them feeling like they've been stolen, which they've not, and I'll get to that here in a second, but the biggest one that I always felt like was stolen for me was number five, was courage. I've always felt like courage was stolen from me. And I've always, for quite some time, and even today as I stand here, have to battle against fear. Early on when I was a kid, I, I feared death. I remember I had a dream um, that I literally saw myself dead in a casket, and, and ever since I had that dream until I became a follower of Christ, I always feared death and the unknown of death. Um, I, I, I feared... This might sound ridiculous and it's very small, but I feared just having a conversation with someone. I feared when, when I was at that appropriate age to start dating to tell a girl, hey, let's, can we go out for ice cream or something like that? I had all these different fears that happen. And, and he, because of this fear, here, here's a lot of things that, ha- that I, I dealt with. Fear caused me not to trust anyone. Because of the brokenness in, in, in the life that, in the home that I, I was raised in, because of, uh, broken trust in there, I feared everyone, especially men, older men, I, I did not trust them in any way. Fear caused broken relationships because I was fearful to confront people on situations that were going on in our relationship. Instead of confronting them and trying to resolve the issue, I had many broken relationships. <clears throat> Fear caused me to quit many things. Because I wasn't getting good enough. Like, for example, I don't think many of you know this, but I'll share it now. In eighth grade, from fifth to eighth grade, I played the clarinet. Oh. I I haven't picked up a clarinet in years, okay? And I quit in eighth grade because I was so fearful that I wasn't good enough and that I could never get good enough that I thought, I'll just quit this. Now, I don't know, I don't know if I would have been a great in the orchestra one day in New York or something like that, but, um, there's just one thing. Gavin, I see your hand up. Uh, I haven't picked it up since eighth grade, so great, great question. I don't, I don't have it still. <laughs> um, <clears throat> another thing that fear did, fear, 
caused me to question a lot of things around me. Fear caused me to just feel trapped. Like, it, it, like if someone, for example, maybe you struggle with this. If someone tells you in an instant moment, hey, I need you to make a decision right now between A and B, I would clamp up and be like, I, I can't. And then I would cry and cry and, and feel embarrassed because I was so fearful to make a decision. And, and in my Christian walk, over the last nine years or so, fear really caused me to not walk by faith. Fear caused me not to walk by faith. I, I wasn't, I was more fearful of man than I was the Lord. And because the, the enemy would steal the, this courage from me, I always let, was, um, living in this state of fear. Like, for example, some of you, I can, from time to time, when you're up, when I'm up here, I can see some of you laughing and joking, and I would think, for a lot of the times, you were laughing and joking at me. Now, it's probably still true to this day. I probably say something, you're like, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I would be so fearful of that, and for those who have been here for a little while, you, you've, hopefully you've seen it get better, but my first few sermons when I was here, I'd be so fearful, it would it would get me so off track. Like if I saw a couple people laughing and I didn't, re- and I thought, oh, they're laughing at me, I would get so off track from the sermon, what God has called me to preach, that I'd be like, uh, how do I get done with this? Off you go. I, I, I want to ask you a question out of these eight, or maybe there's something else. What lie have you believed? from the enemy that you believe has been stolen. So, so how do we get protected from the shepherd? How, how do we, I'm not from the shepherd, how do we get protected from these thieves and robbers? How, how do we free ourselves from these sins? Well, we can't free ourselves from these sins. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need the great shepherd, the shepherd in Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, many of you, when I say shepherd, you probably think of someone who tends to sheep and, and the flock of the sheep, which is all true. But there's another definition of a shepherd, and, and the definition of shepherd in the second way is a person who protects, guides, or watches over a person or a group of people. A shepherd is a person who protects, guides, or watches over a person or a group of people. So, my job with the rest of the leaders, we are mini shepherds over you guys. Dante. Is that where we get the word Rachel's shaking her head no, so I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Rachel is more of the history of where words come from, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. A shepherd, again, is a person who protects guides or watches over a person or group of people. So my responsibility and the leaders here responsibility as many shepherds to protect you guys to, to share the truth of God's word. But the shepherd, the greatest shepherd that we will always point back to is Jesus Christ. And John 10 verse 7, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. John 10 verse 9. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pastures. Jesus Christ is the one who saves. Jesus Christ is the one who protects. And Jesus Christ is the one who guides us 
all who are in Him. That is what salvation is all about. We can hear this word in church. You have to be saved. There is salvation found in Jesus Christ. But what does that actually mean? And salvation means there's deliverance from the power and the effects of sin. There's deliverance and power, uh, deliverance from the power and, uh, and the effects from sin. And tonight you and your seat can be delivered from whatever sins, whatever things that may have been stolen that we talked about, in the name of Jesus Christ. See, when you're anxious about things and you feel like your peace has been stolen, you can find peace in Jesus Christ. John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. If you don't feel loved, know that Jesus Christ loves you. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. John 15, 9. When you don't have joy, when you look around at your circumstances and and you can't find joy, you can know that you can find joy in Jesus Christ. John 17, 13. Now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. When you are confused about your identity, know that it is found in Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified in Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. When you are fearful, you can find courage in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. When you feel broken, when you want security in your life, you can find security in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you feel hopeless, know that hope can be found in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For monetary light affliction is producing for us an absolute, incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And finally, you no longer have to be a prisoner to your sin. You no longer have to be a prisoner to your addiction or that bad habit, whatever that sin is. But you can find freedom and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom, Christ sets us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again, submit again to a yoke of slavery. John 8 36. So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. And 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah, I like it. We're jamming out to to a worship song there. I like it. So I'm going to close tonight a little bit differently than we usually do, but before we go into small groups, we're going to take some time for an altar call. And this first part here, I, I, if you guys can just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute here. <clears throat> this first part here is for, for someone 
in this room who maybe has never confessed that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. This is to someone who, who, who recognizes there are things of this world, maybe some of the things I've talked about here today, that, that have caused them to um, act in ways that they shouldn't. They know they are on a path of destruction. And they're looking for hope. They are looking for freedom because they don't want to be stuck in that sin. They don't want to be stuck in whatever um, hopelessness that they found. I want to I want to make an altar call to that person here today, or a group of people here today, who have never confessed that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, that you want deliverance from those things. I want you, if you are someone in that room here tonight, to just stand up, and eyes will be closed and heads bowed, and we're going to take some time to pray for you. Okay, so if you are someone, if you are a student for the first time in this room and, and you want to be saved, you want to be delivered from your sins, you want to be delivered from certain things that we've talked about here tonight, this is an opportunity for you to now stand up. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna rush it, I'm gonna just give it a minute, allow the Spirit to to work in you a little bit. And, and here, there, there may be some fear in that, you know, to just stand up. And maybe there, I know for me, when I first was a Christ follower, there were things that I was called to the altar for. And I, I felt like I was getting called to the altar for. And I had a fear. I didn't want to do anything. And, and maybe that's you right now. There's some fear, but you're like, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just help that person right now. If there's someone in the room here tonight that has never confessed to you as Lord and Savior, Tonight is the night that they want to do it. Okay. I don't, I don't see anyone who stood up, but I do want to take this time then for us who call ourselves Christ followers. I, let, I read a list of different things that can be stolen from us. Peace, joy, love, identity, courage, security, hope. Freedom from addictions, freedom from sins. Uh, maybe there's other things. I, I don't. I don't know. This one's going to take some courage to do, and we're going to take some time to worship. Worship team, you're, you're not playing. There's a worship song that's going to be playing in the background. Uh, you can take this time to worship. But if you are someone who feels like your joy has been lost. Your hope has been lost in a certain situation. Freedom has been lost because of an addiction or something like that. We're going to take this time for you to come forward to the altar. And I've got a, I got a little thing of oil here to, to anoint you with and, and to, to give you some context of what the oil does. The oil is not some magic pill or liquid. It's not a pill. But it's not some magic liquid. We, we use oil as a representation of the Holy Spirit to, to help you in your situation and pray over you. And so if you are someone here tonight who is dealing with a lot of anxiety, or maybe you're in a depressed state, or maybe you are very confused on certain things that are going on, I want to call you forward. And I'll be up here, some other leaders will be around, and if you, and if during the worship song you feel like, Hey, I actually just want to stay in my seat. We'll make sure there's leaders around for you guys for this time of prayer. We want to pray for you guys. We want to pray over you because we believe that you can be delivered by these things. Not in what I do, not in what any other leader do, but in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I just read off different scripture verses that you can commit to memorize when you are fear, feeling fearful. Here's another one, Joshua. When you are fear, feeling fearful, Joshua 1.9, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I'm going to close with prayer. There's a worship song that's going to come on. You guys can take some time to pray in, worship to the song. If you feel led to come on up, we're going to, I'm going to be up here. Some leaders will come up here and we're going to take the time to pray for you in this moment. Okay? So Father, we, we come to you right now, Lord Jesus. We come to you in this moment, Lord God, knowing that you are the shepherd. That there is no other way to heaven except through you and you alone, Lord God. That you are our protector, Lord God. You are the one that guides us in every situation, Lord Jesus. And as we know through your word, Lord God, that as the great shepherd, you warn us that there are robbers, there are thieves that are trying to steal things from us, Lord God. The, The depths in our souls, Lord God. Father, I pray right now for students or even leaders here tonight, Lord God who may feel like some of those things we talked about here tonight are being stolen by the enemy, Lord God. Father, I pray that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, give them the courage or empower them to move forward here tonight, Lord, so that we can pray for them here tonight, Lord. And and let this be a safe area, Lord Jesus. Father God, your cross, your cross, while it is the old rugged cross, and we can look at that and we know the, the, the pain and the suffering physically and spiritually you went to, went through for us, Lord God. We are all equal at the foot of the cross, Lord. We are all dealing with certain things in our lives and we come to You right now, Jesus, out of Your mercy, out of Your grace to deliver us, Lord God. And if there are things that are holding students here in bondage tonight, if there are things that are holding leaders in bondage here tonight, Lord God, we pray and we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above all other names, Lord God, that they be delivered from those things here tonight, Lord God. Father, we thank You, and we praise You, and we give You all glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Student Ministry Podcast. Whatever your age, my hope and prayer is that you grow a desire to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through these messages. For more information about the Morningstar Fellowship Student Ministry, or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, please visit www.mstarqtown.org and search M-Star Students. God bless and have a great week.